This is Inside Outlands. I'm your host, Nat Ryle, and joining me today is Ace. What's up, man? Good evening. How's it going? And we got with us Jaden. Hey, how you, how you doing? Hey, I'm happy to be here. Doing great. So in case you guys don't know who Jaden is, he is... Go ahead, Jaden. Tell us who you are. Uh, yeah, I am a um, one of the developers on Outlands. I'm you know, much more of a part-time hobbyist compared to Luthius, uh, and I work on back-end stuff. Um, primarily performance improvements and and low level technical details. I don't do any game mechanics or even know how to play UL <laughs> at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's all uh, all nerd tech stuff. Yeah, we did a podcast episode three, uh, so that was over two years ago, I think. At this point, I had a hard time pulling up the date we recorded that on, but it was very early in the uh, in the game. It was like right after your lag fix patch for the, yeah, for the launch seems like lag. yesterday. Yeah, you were like the the savior because it was rough. We were having a rough time, and then Jaden, um, I, I already knew you because you were playing in. Uh, well, I say playing. You you were in our guild, and then you're off to the dead team you were. But I don't think you ever actually played very much. You kind of got. I, I never made it off of Shelter Island. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I was all geared up to play in beta and followed game mechanics and and knew what was going on and was all ready to play and then everybody in the whole world decided to play outlands so um you know the server was on fire uh and i have a lot of experience in this area so i volunteered some time and expertise and and you know from there i've been doing development and i never never made it past 70 in any skill or off of shelter (laughs) island i mean that's one of my favorite of the early shows uh, I, I thought it was really interesting. You had a like a, a high level knowledge of the uh, the back end of of UO, which I think was a pretty interesting story. How you fixed lag, and I just kind of wanted to touch base with you for like everything you've done for the shard. Really, in the last two years, um, kind of hit all of it a little bit. Get some community community questions sent to you, and uh, and we can dive right in. Like we can just start with the lag fix. I mean, we can be brief there. We covered it in a whole other podcast, but. That was kind yeah. of your, your your start on the scene for Outlands, really. Yeah, I mean, um, Luthius was working on coding Outlands for a long time. Um, you know, the code base is originally derived from uh, his earlier projects uh, with Ancorp and, and others. And I see commits in there from like IPY and, you know, it, the code base goes back a long time. Uh, you know, but if you remember, Ancorp uh, 2 had some lag problems as well. Um when it when it got to scale, you know, Luthius's project seemed to catch on and get tons of players. So he runs into things that I think the vast majority of UO server admins don't hit. Um, and so I I started profiling it when they were at the very beginning. You know, there were 1,200 people online, which is just not doesn't happen for normal UO sh- shards in history. Although for Outlands, that's like 3 a.m. on a weekday. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, so. Uh, you know, I started profiling it and looking at what the problems were and identified some of the, the issues. It was definitely CPU bottlenecked. Like it was, there was just not enough CPU power. We had enough bandwidth. Um, there was enough memory. You know, all these things were fine. Um, it's just some of the algorithms for how it searched the map um, to find like valid movement spots or who's in range um, are really, really complicated things. Um you know, that I would love to write up exactly how they work at some point, but um, 
it's an ancient art of tile-based games, uh, how to do quick searches across, you know, these giant maps, um, you know, and find things uh, without doing these sort of, uh, in programmer terms, we'd say these uh, O-N squared <laughs> algorithms, um, where you have to do a search within a search for certain um, things. And, and that was what was lagging the shard. And so I just rewrote a couple of key ones, uh, particularly checking for a valid tile to move onto um, when you make a movement request. Um, and, and that sort of stabilized it enough that we were okay. I don't know if people remember, but it was really rough. And Luthius was kind of throwing out ideas. Um, I forget, it was some kind of like macro fix to change. Because all of us were macroing new tunes up. It was it was launch. and Yeah. Yeah, they would disconnect if you didn't have 500 millisecond pauses and stuff. Yeah, yeah, there were there were some stuff I think probably helped, but not not really enough. And then you kind of strolled in and and tackled it really quickly, which was yeah, I had more experience in um, profiling tools to to find the actual root of the problem. You know, I didn't know what the problem was going in, but I knew how to find it, right? And so that's really where I was able to help is identify what the problem was and then go attack, you know, the main problem. It's, it's a whole list of problems typically, you know, when a server's lagging like that, but identify like the real heavy hitters that we can go address quickly and get the server back up. But I've spent the last two years fighting the rest of the list, you know, that that's yeah. more or less what I've been doing. Uh, and, and it's, there's a long road ahead of us still, um, you know, to get the server to scale and for, you know, Whatever Luthius does seems to bring more players and, you know, he seems to have a knack for figuring out like what's a net positive versus a net negative in terms of player count. And the shard just keeps growing. So, you know, the job of making it run just keeps getting harder. So there's there's a long road ahead of us of work to do to to keep this thing, um, you know, operating with with this many players. I think we're, we're going to be regularly hitting 2000, you know, uh, at this trajectory. Yeah, so I know when you when you did the the lag fix, you you weren't really like fully on the dev team with full access to the uh, to the server code. I think you even took like another instance of it, fixed it, sent Luthius, say check it out. But how has your role grown and changed since then in the last two years? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I'm definitely like on the team now. Uh, <laughs> I don't play. Um, you know, we've already talked about how I just sort of gave up my. Um, accounts, which I never developed anyway. I, I have a counselor character, but honestly, I don't play that either. Um, you know, I just log into the admin account. I have access to everything. Um, you know, the the server, the test server, the uh, AWS infrastructure that it now runs on. Um, it's not where it ran originally. That's one of the things maybe we can discuss as I moved us to AWS, uh, Amazon Web Services. Um, yeah, the whole thing, uh, all the saves, everything. I have all the passwords. <laughs> He's the man behind the curtain. So there's an Outlands, uh, what do they call that? Outlands Redux or something run by Jaden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there are shockingly few people who do have the keys to the castle here. Um, they do that very, very much on purpose. Uh, all of the other developers, there are other developers that have contributed and continue to contribute. And each one has sort of access to different parts of the system. Um, but no one has access to everything except for myself, Luthius, and Owen. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, we, we can move right into the to your kind of work 
that you've been doing since uh since that lag fix. I I could just pick pick one of the things you did. We can probably go in order if you remember what order you did them in. Oh man, I I do not. Um, I was going back through uh the source control history to see like what did I what have I done in two years? Um, and I was picking out uh all these commits, and I'm like, well, no one will see that. That's never been visible. That's a backend change, you know, like. Nobody can see what I I do more or less. Um, you know, it's not visible in game mechanics, um, except for a couple of instances. So I tried to write some of those down. Um, I I think the biggest one since the initial lag fix is the reduced save time change. Um, that probably had the most impact. You know, if if I swap back in the old save code now, you know, our saves would be like thirty seconds. Um, That's the tradition of, of all all past. You are free shards is once yeah. the item count gets high. Well, Luth has tackled it a lot with with shelves and well, uh, he's particularly smart about it because he's been doing this a long time to keep the total item count down. Um, so I, I don't deal with necessarily any of that, but he, you know, we always joke he has a tome for everything, and you know, our April Fool's joke was that he's coming out with a, a tome tome. Yeah, um, a, thing, you know, a thing a thing we actually want because so many tomes. Now. I'm sure you do, but. <laughs> um, you know, the idea there is is to we can it, it reduces the overall total number of items and you can reduce a lot of, you know, full description of items to just like one integer in a in a list of integers of, you know, you have this many of this item and we know how to reconstruct it from there. So that that's a, a memory saving and a disk space saving um, strategy primarily, although a lot of players love them anyway, as like game mechanics. So it works out um, for everyone. He's you, really you, good uh, at that. You you hinted at one time being able to get to zero second saves. It's absolutely possible. It, it, the the challenge is um, it is a lot of work, <laughs> and um, you know I, I certainly am spending uh, you know a decent amount of time working on the server every week, but not like a full time job. It's it's certainly a hobby. Um, the the amount of work it would take to make the code changes we would need to make um it is pretty uh unbelievable um you know what we have to do is track so the way saves work right now on the server and people kind of instinctively know this because you see what happens but uh there's a this period where the whole world pauses just everything stops and we warn you about it and during that time what it's doing is capturing a snapshot of every item every uh mobile you know creature or player um, and every other piece of data in the whole game into you know a spot in memory on the system. And then it writes it out to disk in the background. Uh, that's actually how my new save strategy works is it's a you know in memory snapshot and it tries to minimize the time of that snapshot and do it in parallel. That's why the, the saves are fast here relative to everybody else who's trying to write the whole file out to disk while the world is paused. Um, what what we need to be doing in next, uh, to get the save times down further is um, tracking every item for when it changed uh, so that we know that we don't need to uh, snapshot it again. You know, this, this snapshotting process is called serialization. And we need to understand anytime something happens to an item, you know, or it's modified, whether that would change the, the snapshot state. And we can track this, um, you know, just with flags in memory. And, you know, if we get sophisticated enough with that we can uh avoid doing a lot of the work during the snapshot which will reduce the time significantly uh and then 
you know, you combine that with then doing these snapshots um, more frequently, or at least partial snapshots much more frequently, so that when it comes time to do the the full pause the world snapshot everything, you end up having very little work to actually do, and it's effectively a zero second save. So that that was is what it would take. But there's something like um, you know seven thousand different item types on Outlands in the code right now, and every property on every item, you know, that could possibly change and, and needs to get saved has to have like a flag to track whether it was changed or not. And so, you know, it's, it's a huge amount of work. I, we're, we've got some patches out right now to do it just for some of the items, the heavy hitters, which will improve saves, but we'd only really get to like zero if we were dirty tracking every single field of every single item. Yeah, that, that was. Uh, I actually understood most of that. So that was that was good. Good job, Jaden. <laughs> uh, you did it. I know we all know about the network stack rewrite primarily because you had us test it for a little bit on on the test shard. Yeah. Uh, before we rolled it out. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these things that you know I roll out um, take a lot longer than than people realize. Partially because you know I'm I'm working on things you know like four to eight hours a week. Yeah, uh, you, you don't you know that's like working one day a week at a full-time job or something. But um, a lot of it also is that I'm working down in the core of the code and it, it's really, really tricky and I can't make a mistake generally, right? It, like these are not things that I can just roll out and some system on the side that we can disable if something goes wrong. I can't mess up the network stack. It takes a long time. So I was probably working on the network stack for like a year and a half. And, um, you know, studying the existing one, which is like 20 years old at this point, and there's been a couple of attempts in in other places in Run UO, which is the emulator that's, that Outlands is originally based on, although it's diverged a lot. You know, it forked maybe 10 years ago. Um, you know, and, and none of those other attempts to rewrite it have have gone anywhere. They weren't stable. You know, the original one works, but it's it's really inefficient and it hasn't kept up with modern times. Uh, you know, computing has changed a lot in 20 years. Um, so it was really due for a rewrite. And um, I have a lot of experience writing, you know, server networking stacks. Um, that's basically my real job. So um, I, but I don't work in C sharp, so I had to learn a lot of stuff there. Um, you know, the the goal was, uh, you know, really two things with the networking stack. You know, one was uh, minimize the data copies and and memory allocations that are happening as as packets, you know, get transmitted into the system. They were getting copied around a few times as, as we try to like piece back together um, the actual packets that were sent. Things get chopped up as they come over the network, and um, and then parse out the the packets again, and then send them back. Uh, so there's a lot of there were a lot of data copies happening there, and then we also wanted to uh, move things off to other threads so that we could use more CPU cores effectively. Um, so I, I think the the network stack rewrite does exactly that. And uh, I'm fairly happy with it. Uh, it made an immediate difference in the in the traces, um, you know, shifted a lot of work off of the sort of main game thread that is responsible for checking all the game mechanics um, and has to be single threaded. Uh, and it got a lot of stuff off of that and opened up a lot of opportunities for us to do things like uh, encryption on the protocol and stuff in the future. So yeah, I, was, I, I was wondering, I was wondering, what, what was the incentive to, to do that work? It sounds like well, a lot of work. Yeah. So, I mean, it was the main CPU bottleneck after all the other stuff, you know, earlier on that I fixed, um, you know, just sending and receiving messages from the other, from the clients was like what the server was primarily doing. 
um, you know, it was not processing game mechanics or anything like that. It was just just the process of sending and receiving the messages was the bulk of what was happening. Um, so we needed to get that off the main thread. Now the main thread spends almost no time uh, on the messages, and it's doing mostly, you know, AI processing or um, checking movement requests, things like that. Um, so that was the real incentive, but it also, you know, allows us to do more complex transforms on the packets, uh, you know, in the future, like encryption. So there's more stuff I want to eventually do on the network stack. I tried to do it the way C Sharp wants us to do a network stack, and I'm just not thrilled with how C Sharp scales in general. Um, I, I would rather probably do it the way I would have written it in, in C or Rust. But um, Maybe when that bubbles up to the top of the list again, uh, I'll tackle it. But for now, it seems pretty good. So I have more questions. Well, I'm going to move on for the sake of time. And we have a lot to get to. Um, what about the uh, ECD moved us to AWS? So what was the incentive to get to do that? Yeah, well, that's actually was fun. Um, the original server was hosted on a, a game hosting service called NFO. A lot of people host, you know, game servers there. A lot of the other UO shards get hosted there, et cetera. Still where the test test server is. Um, that's hosted in Chicago, and it's just like a little company with one data server or you know, data center and a, you know, a bunch of racks of servers in a building and one link out to the internet. And it turns out that uh, disgruntled players can pay about $30 and Chinese hackers will DDoS them. And it's sufficient to take it down. Um, yeah, man, so, we've been through that a couple of times. Um, we were getting DDoS, and it just is not very expensive to do that. <laughs> so um, we we really couldn't go with NFO anymore. They didn't have the ability to mitigate the level of attacks that really any any angry player could afford. Uh, so we moved it to AWS. It's now hosted in the Virginia data center, I think is where we're at. Um, and we set up some really... Uh, much more complex um, load balancing infrastructure in front of it. So there's you know, network load balancers, cloud network load balancers sitting in front of it. So you don't actually connect to the server, you connect to the load balancers and it's all distributed. And so if you hit one of them really hard, well, it just routes connections from other people to the other load balancers and um, the server stays fine. Um, so that took some, some changes uh, in the server code to, to get that to work. Um, you know, there's some issues with detecting IP addresses because now you're going through basically a proxy and, um, you know, the original UO login protocol stopped working because it depends on matching certain values to match up connections after a login. And so there's all sorts of complexity there that, you know, got worked out. Um, and we moved over to uh, AWS. We're on a, you know, for all the people who know AWS, we're on an R5A 2X large instance, which is an AMD Epic uh platform with uh i think 64 gigabytes of ram so it's a beast and um we've got network load balancers set up in front of it and as soon as we switched over uh there was no more ddos it's just completely gone and has not been a problem at all this is my least favorite fix you put in because you tripled my ping from 20 to 60 since i'm right out of chicago, chicago. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we tried to pick a data center that was, you know, closer to Europe, because um, we do have a lot of European players. And so there was a lot of compromise in in that choice, you know, and we do have the that global accelerator that we're, uh, you know, we have set up 
that helps for some people, not really people in the U.S., it doesn't seem, but I think it particularly helps uh, Brazil for some reason. Um, but what that accelerator does is it uses um, uh, Amazon's backbone, you know, internet infrastructure instead of the public internet to, you know, handle sending your packets back and forth to us. It, it's not always better than the public internet. It depends on your connection. Um, but I think this has been the the least bad for everyone, maybe is the right way to put it. Yeah, which is kind of how those decisions usually get made, right? Like when yeah. it rains up. Yeah. Uh, so what about the uh, PVP movement fix? Yeah, so um, that was actually kind of a recent one. I, I don't know if I'm going to even attempt to explain that, but um, you know, the biggest things I'm working on right now. I mean, there's a couple of, but one of the major ones is is there's just these constant complaints of arena lag. Um, it, it's it's really deafening, <laughs> you know. Um, we've studied it just endlessly uh, to try to figure out what it is. Currently, I do not believe it has anything to do with the arena at all. I think it's just general server lag that that people um, experience primarily while they're dueling because of the tighter timing involved there. Um, and I think you experience lag most, or, or the lag is the least well hidden when you're trying to move and cast and equip weapons uh, in tight spaces. The lag is always there. Uh, but you notice it the most in those sort of situations. At least that's that seems to be what the traces and stuff and the, the packet logs are telling me. Um, but in the course of studying this, I I did find a, a real bug that um, I tried to look back into, um, you know, if it was something introduced in in early on in Outlands or or something older. And I see it in Run UO from 2001 the oldest i was able to find so um it's always been there um i suspect this was an issue on um, the original osi servers too um but it, it basically it's a it's a desync issue um that has to do with your client requesting to move while the server is turning you because you targeted a spell uh and there's a race there between you know, where the server doesn't know if you sent the movement request before the server sent the, you know, the notification that you should turn or after, and and whether you send it before or after is changes the behavior of what should happen on the client, and it's impossible to guess um, with the way things currently worked. And so your your character would desync and then warp, and this happens in the arena or happened in the arena all the time. Uh, it could happen anywhere, but the arena is primarily where you were doing this. Um, so I, I put in a fix, you know, um, I had to make a packet change, um, and, and it, it fixes the issue and nobody is desyncing anymore. You know, I've studied a lot of logs since this went in, um, you know, people are not, not getting actual desyncs. They're just lagging now. <laughs> so it's better. Um, you know, there's nothing going wrong in the traces. Everything is getting handled correctly and is working itself out and there's like no errors or anything like that people are just lagging now it's just plain old lag um but before there was definitely an issue where your client thought you were at one tile and you were at another and eventually you would get out of sync and couldn't move and then you would warp um so i, I thought that one was a really interesting one you know looking back in the history um it's amazing how bugs like that can sit there uh on the same code used by almost all of the big uo shards you know for 15 or 20 years. Just get and, used to it. Be yeah. used to the game behaving that way, I guess. Yep. So that's why there's racing hockeys, right? And all the assistants. 
Yeah, th that's exactly why. And um, on Outlands, you should absolutely not spam your recent hotkey. It will not help you. So the another thing on the agenda was you had you you fixed not fixed you prevented movement and like speed hacks. And that's been a thing for a long while, right? Like, it was, like there's almost no speed hackers on Outlands. Um, yeah. So it, it um it's better on Outlands is is what I'll say. There's you know completely blocking speed hacks is um right like this is a sliding scale um there are no speed hacks in outlands over you know between seven to ten tiles of movement you you absolutely cannot the server will throttle you um you can you know pretend like you're lagging and maybe get three steps ahead and then it, the server will throttle you and you'll be slow for three steps after that like that sort of behavior is possible because we can't tell if you lagged or like for real or if you lagged because of a program. Um, right. But on other servers, the way the throttle works, you know, like on basic run UO or any other server, um, you get like that grace period of uh, usually it's five tiles where you can move fast um, and then they don't throttle you to be slower. So you just get like a free sprint. Um, on Outlands, you get, you know, your three to four tiles um of faster movement and then you're going to move slow for three to four tiles so it'll even out right so you you can't over any significant distance speed hack at all on outlands and so the the throttle is very complex it's a credit-based system where if you you move a little bit fast you spend your credits and if you move a little bit slow you accrue credits um and it, the reason this is so so difficult is because the the internet is you know, in reality, a giant mess. Um, and so your client may be sending a movement request every 100 milliseconds to move a tile, like right on cue, perfect, right? And the actual internet will deliver those, um, you know, instead of delivering them, you know, 50 milliseconds later consistently, it may deliver none for a while and then three of them all at once and then none for a while and three of them all at once, right? And if we make it so that, you know, the packets have to get delivered consistently to move correctly, then the game would be completely unplayable for everybody who wasn't like in Virginia where the server is. Um, so Outland should feel, you know, fairly good um, for people even far away. And we see this, you know, people in Australia playing people, you know, all over the world, um, you know, a lot of Koreans playing um, because we've taken a lot of care to, you know, try to compensate for all of the lag that exists in the actual internet um, without allowing speed hacks. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so what about the, uh, you put on here net five. I don't think I yeah. remember what, what you did there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is just a note for all the, you know, the nerds who follow along. Um, Outlands is based on, on run UO, which is written in C sharp. Um, Outlands in particular runs on the very latest, you know, cutting edge version of, of .NET, um, as does our client. Um, classic UO. So we are a .NET 5 stack top to bottom. And we use all the new cool features of all the languages, um, you know, and hopefully get the best performance because of that. As does Razor, right? You ported I did. I ported Razor, I ported Classic UO, and I ported all of Outlands to .NET 5. So we're all in the most modern version of, of the language and the runtime. And, uh, you know, most most servers are probably running, you know, a version of net that's you know 10 years old uh, so we're using all the new cool stuff and then i just have a general question for like all of the above um do you have 
any plans or any any methods, I guess, to, to give back to the UO community as a whole, like any of these fixes and 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 things done, or, or is all that just too tied into the Outlands code that you couldn't like share it with another um, future shard in a couple of years? So everything I do to classic UO that isn't like anti cheat, I push back upstream. Um, so everything there and and Razor as well, you know, is completely shared. Um, it, on the server side, it's we don't actually have access to the to push commits to the old run UO repository. Um, and there there's no one around <laughs> who does. So that's it's just dead. Um, and uh, the you know, there's forks of that other projects like Servio and stuff, and they've di- diverged from where Outlands forked Runuo from a little too much. It's just impossible to sort of reconcile those two two code bases. Um, we do work closely with um, you know Cameron, who works on Modern UO, which is another fork of of Runuo that's modernized. And so, like the whole network stack, or or at least major parts of the network stack that was developed for Outlands, is part of Modern UO and it's open source. Okay, so so Modern UO uh, is how is how a lot of these type of yeah. fixes could get get to the yeah, UO and a lot of the save time strategy stuff uh, is is part of that now. Um, so most of at least concept wise, if not the code itself, is you know represented in Modern UO. And on the client side, you know, everything we do with classic UO that we can open source, we do and Razor as well, um, you know, and and like all my projects that, um, you know, to like re-implement the Steam language for scripting, you know, I, I started it open source and let anybody use it. So anytime we possibly can open it up, which is typical, um, you know, that's like our, our default, we do. So I'm going to use this to go right into classic UO. Which is kind of uh, I know I know you started the project or you helped start the project with like a like an administrator kind of role and then Crasho hit the ground running with it. Well, um, Jaden was working on Orion. Yes, remember yeah. that. And then, yep. then Crasho came on with Classic UO. Yeah, uh, I mean that it's been a while since you know my memory's getting a little uh, hazy. Um, but yeah, I was working on Orion because I, I was going to try to play Outlands and I just couldn't play it you know, 12 and a half FPS. I just couldn't do it. Um, so I found this Orion project. It's from, you know, this guy, Hot Rod, who's, you know, Russian, doesn't speak a lot of English, but he wrote most of a client. It mostly worked and I was trying to just finish it, you know, but um, we were having a lot of trouble with, you know, crashes and <clears throat> the code was really difficult to follow. And uh, and, and so I, I, I met with um, Karasho and, and basically he was like, how about I just translate it to C sharp, you know, and, and build it on top of a, a more modern game framework. Um, you know, and, and so we were just did some research on like, all right, if we were to build a client from scratch, you know, looking at, at Orion as inspiration or looking at some of the other, there's like an ultimate XNA project that somebody worked on for a while as inspiration, what, what would be the technology stack we would use? And so, sort of figured out, okay, let's use FNA because it's a C-sharp game framework that, you know, is well supported and, and looks pretty easy to use and, you know, does a lot of cool stuff with, you know, cross-platform shaders and all these sort of things. And um, so, you know, I did some of the original commits to like lay out the directory structure of the project and identify the components, but then really he ran with it and he did the vast majority of the work and still does. Um you know, we really, the UO community really owes him um, a major debt 
uh, of gratitude because uh, of all the effort he put in. I, that was just a really a, a monumental effort to finish that um, to the level it's been finished. Yeah, we we could play Outland on on Steam, you know, and, I, and it might have the popularity it has now. But I, I guarantee you, this is kind of a perfect storm. Um, at least the the current success that it's had, the longevity is is Classico getting to where it is, and yeah. and Outland being so awesome. You know, I think it's uh, I think it's both of together. I, I really agree. The game is after you've played on Classic Go for any period of time, it's completely unplayable on the old client. Oh, it's nauseating logging into Steam. And it's it was the other way when <laughs> we started with Classic Go. It's like, oh my god, it's sixty frames per second. How do you even play like this? Going back, it's it's damn near impossible. You know, the the why is really I, I there's two reasons why we have to have a fork of Classic UO. Um one is I often have outland specific fixes that i haven't figured out how to like make general purpose enough to go like to work for everyone who uses that client and so it sometimes takes a little bit of time to work out exactly how to do things that we want to we've added in a general purpose way um you know that won't break some other server if we were to check it into classic ul so as a staging area is one reason um the other reason is uh you know we've done a lot of client security work anti-cheat stuff and Anti-cheat stuff is is basically obfuscation, right? Like it, it can't be open source, otherwise you would know how to get past the anti-cheat stuff. Um, so that's really all that's in there right now. Uh, everything else that we do to Classic UO, we we push to the main repository. I, I don't have time to maintain, you know, a full Outlands fork of the client forever or Razor for that matter. Like that, I just can't do that. Um, so we try to stay um, as close to the open source version as we possibly can. And right now, I mean, it's like um, maybe 50 lines of code different, and that's it. Okay, uh, it's grown. It was 10 a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, because I've got a couple of patches in there. <laughs> I, have to, I have to figure out how to get back. Uh, do you actually know the, the lines of code? <laughs> um, I can actually look. I he he told me we were talking about something oh, okay. else and he, it, and he, he said it fluctuates lines. yeah well, it fluctuates depending on what i've done but here i can look uh yeah is this client enforcement is it a with steam as well or is it only in in classic Euro? i i i think the way it's i read with your... steam as well okay uh it's it's currently um it's currently 68 lines so i've got to get some of these patches back over but 68 lines different right now um yeah, so we actually are doing client enforcement on the original client, and that is a complete disaster. And I would love to, you know, talk about that, but I can't. Um, but I really, I really do need like the therapy session to go through like <laughs> how awful that was. Um, you know, the the client enforcement that we do have right now, you know, I'm not going to pretend that it's uh, it's bulletproof in any way. It is uh, a start at client enforcement, and it seems to be holding currently. Um, it's fairly effective, uh, but there there's much more that needs to be done um, to catch cheaters. And and so, you know, with a big population like Outlands has, comes a small number of people who, of course, try to cheat. And it, there's there's limited amount of cheating you can do in UO, which is kind of nice because everything in UO more or less is um, is checked server side. So a lot of games just computationally you just can't they're too complex you can't do it all on the server you have to trust the client to like not lie to you 
UO does not trust the client really at all. And so the only things you can actually cheat at are like targeting really quickly because we can't tell if you're like good at the game or you're cheating, you know, like those sort of things. Right. Um, you know, and and I I promise there are some players who are so good at the game that they are better than the cheaters. Uh, you know, so we, there's some things like that, like how fast you can pull up, a, pull bars and, and things like that, where it, we can't really tell that you're cheating, um, you know, on the server. Uh, so we need to continue to enforce things that, you know, block scripting, um, you know, block automation, uh, you know, and other things like cheat engine, which is not super effective, but there are things you can kind of do with that, that some people may think are an advantage, um, you know, and, and we'll continue to do that over time and and improve the the client enforcement. But at least at a rudimentary level, you have to use the clients that we're providing. Um, unless you are fairly technically savvy. Um, and so we'll continue to get better and and make it more and more difficult for even technically savvy people to figure out to the point where hopefully they just say it's not worth their time. Because <laughs> that's that's the ultimate goal with cheaters is to make it so hard to cheat that they just move on to another game. Uh, what, what's uh, what's some of the new stuff you've added to Classic Hero recently you think that come top of your head that may uh, may have been pretty cool lately? Um, let's see. I, there's been actually a couple, you know, some development work on Classic UO has, has really picked up. Um, you know, there was some big discussions in the, the dev channel just uh, earlier this week, um, figuring out how exactly uh, spell effects are supposed to be uh, hued. Um, you know, it's interesting. Everything in, in UO, the way a, a hue is applied to a graphic um, is uh, every color um, every pixel is is a color, and the colors are defined by three integers: a red, a green, and a blue. And there's zero to thirty-one, and you know, with thirty-one being more more of that color. So you can define any color that way. And um, you know, the typical way that a hue is applied is it it takes the red value of the graphic and it multiplies it by the um, the scaling in the hue value, and it comes up with a new color. And every other hue that's applied to any other thing in UO is based on the red value. But uh, Roxia, one of the contributors to Classic UO and Plays Outlands, um, was studying it in you know, some of the images in Photoshop and realized that, wait, for spell effects, it's not red, which we knew. People had pointed out like, hey, your, your flame strikes don't look right, you know, when they're hued with ocean hue or whatever. Right. Um, but Roxia figured out that the difference is that it's using the green component. And so I, I just like two days ago, I, I rewrote the the shader, that the thing that tells the graphics card how to draw the graphics to for spell effects only use the green component. And so that just got released to Outlands today, this morning. So uh, that's, that's exciting. You know, like we like figuring out what the old client used to do. That's really hard. Um, you know, other things that we've done recently, uh, there's there been a couple of other developers who have, you know, said, hey, I want to help out. How, what can I do? And so I write up tasks and they go do them. You know, one guy in particular, uh, Dairu, um, has done a lot of things recently. Uh, you know, he's added the ability for us to define um, custom uh, buff icons, so extend the list of buff icons. The the graphics that can be used as buff icons are actually hard-coded into the original client. Like, they're just, like, literally there in the code. You cannot change them. Um, so now Classic UO can just load that that list from a file instead so we can add buffs that's fantastic 
Um, he also sorry when is that coming in that's awesome (laughs) well i mean owen will go and and commission you know new buff icons to be created and we can now add them and use them uh from classic ul they won't show up in steam you'll just get no buff icon. i don't don't care about steam so we're getting this like monday (laughs) i mean basically the the client (laughs) is deployed today Uh, as of today it can do this so we just have to uh, confirm he's putting it out monday so. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's good. The other thing that he did is, um, you know, the, the things that make your character sit when you walk over seats effectively um, are also hard coded in the client, the original client. I don't know why, um, but now that's pulled from a file in Classic UL. So now we can add new seats. So that's exciting as well. Uh, so there'll probably be some new cool things that you can you can sit on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. Owen, I was about to say Owen <laughs> toilets. <laughs> yeah that was the I was first one i like... suggested too is the toilet is going to become something you can actually sit on so there you go guys we did it uh yeah i mean so th- there's been a lot of other cool things too um there's a really awesome proof of concept going on right now um where we're trying to uh have gumps which are the the ui windows that pop up in the client um and for whatever reason uo calls those gumps i don't know what it stands for um, I, I tried using that word in another game recently, and everyone thought I was insane. No, it's they, a UO term. I don't. No I don't know what, what I was talking. About. I, thought, I was like, doesn't everyone use this term? No, it's only UO. You've yeah. just been playing that for two years, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's just that's only a UO <laughs> term. But anyway, the the gumps, the windows that pop up, um, are currently defined um, in some like pigeon HTML ish thing, you know, markup language um, that the server can send. It's not really HTML, but it's kind of like HTML. Um, you know, we are uh, got a proof of concept that's kind of working that um, uses a real uh, web browser renderer, and you can do like full HTML5, JavaScript, CSS, you know, like a full reactive web page as a gump. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Um, you know, and so you thought, you know, Luthius's uh, gumps were pretty now. Um, we'll see how this goes. Um, there, there's some challenges with rolling that out. You know, we have to deal with performance issues and there's a lot of enabling to do, but the proof of concept looks pretty neat. Yeah, I, I guess I, I'd be concerned that you would, you might alter the look and feel of a server, but that just as being in CUO with all the shards and services, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it, it would allow us to make, you know, even if the, the menus and stuff still look exactly the same, it would allow us to like get rid of some of the flicker and do drop down menus that are prettier and things like that. Yeah, and the way the way Lithius creates gumps is so incredible. Like he sent me a file one time because I wanted to see something, and he used like I think it was this it was a lore book. He used like five books layered on top of each other with more stuff on top of that. More stuff. yeah, it was insane. Yeah, wouldn't it be easier to just use React or something that yeah. you know whatever the kids use these days? I I think that would <laughs> that would make a lot of the the UO gumps feel a lot smoother and look a lot prettier, but. And Owen oh, is saying that, that y'all, y'all, well, you guys don't, maybe don't bring it up. Uh, I don't like that. Don't, no, toggles. we don't need those. We don't want those. No, I, I, I do because that means we have less reason because they are going to lock down the art at some point, I think. So having, having art hacks as toggles in the client. Yeah. I, I, Owen's got, um, you know, Diary again working on that. So I, there will be toggles, um, you know, and that way they can at least not break every time we patch too. So I think that's important. Yeah, yeah. I, hate, I hate some of those art. There's, it's so fucking ugly. And I know Owen does a good job trying to get custom stuff for Outland, but it still looks ugly. 
Um, <laughs> the the biggest. I'm saying art hacks are a bad thing, Owen. Come on, let's stay true to you. Oh, <laughs> sorry, you said I was rude, negative for those listening. The the biggest change in Outland in CU, I think, is going to be giving it some sort of uh, Steam scripting, which you talked about very briefly earlier in the podcast. But where where is that at, and what is it going to look like now? Because I think at some point it was going to be in so, Razor. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about doing it in Razor. Um, you know, the problem is Razor is not cross-platform, although I have it working in Wine fairly well. Um, so that seems reasonably effective. Razor won't go anywhere ever. Um, I, I think the better experience is to get it into the client. You know, it, it the hardest part about putting into the client, um, well, there's many hard things about putting into the client, but one of the hardest things is the text editor in the client is really clunky. You know, it's like writing a Steam script and basically editing a UL book. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't feel good. So, you know, again, like these this new Gump mechanism would give us like rich text editors, you know, inside the client. Um, I think that would help. That would go a long way. You know, that options menu is probably the top of my list for things that need to be re-implemented. Um, and that's where we would put the Steam scripts. Oh, um, wait. I want to go back. Sorry, real quick. You were working on a hotkey manager. Whatever happened to that? Oh, I just never finished it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the <laughs> issue was um, I had it pretty close. And then there was just some like massive sweeping changes to the classic UL code base that got merged. And uh, so I've got to like redo it all. <laughs> you know, it like the rebase was just a tremendous amount of work. Um, it was just bad timing. So I will go back and do that at some point um, because I think that's another critical thing um, that Classic UO needs is like a real hockey manager. Um, anyway, back to the Steam stuff. Um, you know, I, I had a volunteer, um, uh, Xpent, one of the streamers, um, you know, was doing a ton of work on that. Uh, he had to step away for a little while, but I just heard from him again. Um, so hopefully he can pick it up. It's he's doing it all open source. Uh, so the repository is out there if, if anybody's listening and wants to contribute. Um, and it, it's working fairly well. Uh, you know, just the text editor is annoying um, because there's no good text editor inside the client. Um, but the scripts do seem to work, and it's mostly Steam compliant. You know, he's running some complicated scripts people have sent him that you know are, are difficult. Um, but it looks like it's on track. You know, the challenge with all these things is it's, it's a lot of work to do these things, you know, and, and people get involved for a little while and then realize, you know, oh, this is a full-time job, (laughs) you know, get burned out and stop. And then somebody picks it up and they, they go for a little while, et cetera. You know, um, maintaining an assistant is, is more or less a full-time job, uh, you know, for somebody for at least a period of time until, you know, we're all done, uh, it, it's going to take a lot of hours. And so that's that's been the hardest part is finding the right person to do all that work, who's motivated and can stick with it for, you know, the six months or whatever it takes to get it over the edge. And it just hasn't been me. I, I've got too many other things going on. Um, you know, I, I contribute here and there when I'm able, but um, I, I think we're on track now um, and very close to having something that we could possibly put on our our beta client channel for people to try out. Yeah, I know you're, well, like locking down to only having Classic UO. It's actually one of our questions down from from Jack Churchill. Uh, I always saw that as, as a requirement for, like, Classic UO would have to have Steam scripting. Basically. Um, yeah, so it's kind of discouraging to hear that that's not 
close, I guess, because we really want that lockdown. Yeah, I mean, it really it depends on um, you know how many people step up and can finish it. You know, and if it gets close, I'll just finish it. But um, you know, there's a level of support that would be required as people try to run all these complex Steam scripts to match all of these weird behaviors of Steam and all these you know different options and parameters on every possible command. Um, you know, that is a, a giant effort. Um, so, you know, every day we're a little bit closer and, um, you know, slowly getting there, but I don't know necessarily how long it will be, um, until we're finished. Uh, but I'm hopeful that we'll, we'll get there. The only other thing that would block locking us down on, on classic UL only besides steam is, um, 32 bit support. And so there's, for whatever reason, a lot of people with 32 bit operating systems still, um, Tell them to get rid of their potatoes. I yeah. mean, I, what's funny is they all have 64-bit processors. They just have a 32-bit Windows. And it's probably because it's pirated, you know. But, um, you yeah, know, that I'm, makes not, it... I'm not worried about Steam scripting, actually. I, I think the second you locked it to Classic U only, and that's all we, all we could use, the, you, you would start getting feedback for things people needed Steam for, like crafting. And then Luthus could put in a, a bulk crafting system pretty easily, I would think. I mean, you wouldn't need a script for it anymore. Just like you don't need a script for item ID. That was another huge Steam script you all had to run. Yeah, um, I think probably a lot of them could be eliminated by server-side features. Uh, in particular, crafting. You know, crafting could almost certainly be, you know, taken care of server-side. And that would be for the best, most likely. Um, you know, but I, I think we need to get to a certain level of functionality in at least the Razor scripts, hopefully the Steam scripts uh, inside the client. And then get 32-bit support. That seems like there's just too many players on a 32-bit OS to to drop. Um, and, and then we can make the the transition. Yeah. What's, yeah, that, I think. what's that number? Like, what's that number? Is it is it is it 50 people too few? I, I don't actually need the number from you. It's no. We need the number. What is the number? Tell us right now. I mean, the the number of people that I've seen is probably around 50. You know, who are on 32-bit operating systems. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's too many or too little to drop, you know, um, just waiting also, it seems to take care of it because their computers die and they get a new one and that solves the problem. <laughs> so, um, the situation keeps getting better all the time. You know, it's less important for us to support it, but if we wanted to do it now, we would have to have 32 bit support. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I've been running classic UO since the alpha fucking whatever it was. I don't, I don't even know. But the, I've heard so many people say, "Oh well, I'll never use it because it's Razor." And and then between the things Quicks add added, rather, and timers and lists that Jaden's added, you know, there's more and more people on Classic UO than you know. Most of these people are still gritting their teeth that they're using it. Um, yeah, we we but, have a we have a full taming macro. Now yeah, I mean, Razor. like, how, how much more do you need other than some server side crafting and cross platform? Unfortunate, but uh, yeah, let's just lock it down. Screw it. <laughs> The, I hear you. the rest of them will come along. They'll, they'll come along kicking and screaming. Uh, well, let's move on. This is a, we're going to run long here. Um, I, I wanted to cover, I want to cover the launcher because that, that's probably one of the new biggest, coolest things, but you can't even tell because the launcher looks the same, but it's definitely doing some cool new stuff. You, you want to talk about your launcher? Yeah, the or, launcher, um, you know, I hope very few people notice any major differences, but it is a completely new launcher. <laughs> Cheers. Like there's nothing, nothing shared with before except for like the art. You know, <laughs> that is how it lays out. Um, you know, on your screen, um, it, the internals are completely different. 
the server side is completely different and rewritten. Um, it, uh, it is based on a, a diff algorithm now. So before it, it did file by file, it checked, you know, is this file different, et cetera. And then it would re-download the file. Now it actually chunks your files into 8K chunks and hashes each one of them and asks the, the server for the list of hashes and does the comparisons. And, you know, it can even find byte offsets because it's doing rolling hashes and all these sort of advanced, um, you know, techniques uh, that we had to read up on and, and figure out. Um, so I, I, I'm very, very pleased with how that worked. Um, you know, Owen found somebody, um, a guy goes by JFM on the on Discord, um, who had a launcher that more or less did this, and he and he sort of broke out the core code of it uh, and and gave it over to us. And I wrote a server that it could talk to and use some of his stuff there. And uh, we collaborated together and and rebuilt our launcher on top of that that foundation. Um, and, and the first big patch really went out today, uh, and that should have been in the old launcher, you know, 102 megabytes download, you know, 102 megabyte download. Um, but I think it downloaded a couple kilobytes for everybody instead. So it's a big, big improvement. Um, I do think there's some things that we need to deal with there. Um, you know, a couple people did end up with corrupt files today. And I think we understand why, um, you know, it's mostly, uh, statistics on the hashes, had hash collisions. Um, and so we need to, to expand the size of the, the hash calculations we're doing, but, um, I, I was really pleased with the way it, it held up. Uh, the download speeds seem really, really good. Um, you know, on, on the back end, the server is, is, you know, fast and it's efficient and the update process is slick on our side. So we're really happy with, um, where that's headed and, and where we got to, um, and, and hopefully we can deal with a couple little things, you know, kinks, um, that showed up today in our first big patch, and then it'll be smooth sailing from then on out. I was actually really surprised. I verified right before the show, actually, and I kind of had it on second window, expecting it to take a while to verify and stuff. It actually diffed really quick, and the files were, it was like instant. It was like I downloaded nothing. And the best part is it didn't leave a fucking icon on my desktop when I had it <laughs> checked not to leave a goddamn icon. Yeah, I, I fixed that one explicitly. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Do we want to cherry pick any of these community responses out? I know I know uh, we're kind of out of time. Let's maybe there's a couple of I mean, in here. Do you want to hear questions from Oreo? I think oh, he's, sure. your, he's your he's your he's your biggest fan. I think he might be. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. He he wants to talk about Linux hosting, just in general, AWS Linux hosting. Um, I think um, we kind of touched touched on that. I think it's something that you are striving for eventually. Maybe uh, the server already runs on Linux, and it's great. Um, like not our live server, like the code can run on Linux. I, I work off of Linux, you know, my, my dev system. Um, you know, I, I would much prefer that. I think it's faster. It's definitely cheaper. Um, I think we should go to Linux. Uh, but, you know, just for historical reasons, <laughs> Luthius has only ever used Windows. You know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of the admins who need to like hop on this, the system sometimes, you know, only know Windows. So, um, it's a big sort of cultural transition for the team to move from, you know, remote desktop to a windows box to SSH <laughs> in a bash shell. <laughs> um, and, and we have to weigh, we constantly have to weigh changes like that with getting in the way of Luthius's pr productivity, right? Because he's a machine and he's sort of cranking out all of this code 
And we need to not get in that, you know, in the way of that process as much as possible. All the support people who, you know, try to make the server better, but, you know, are not doing the core game mechanics, you know, our focus is on what can we do that doesn't slow him down, you know? And and I'm concerned moving to Linux would be one of those things that would slow him down. So I may revisit it at some point and and find a, you know run a remote desktop server on Linux and see if he can deal with the UI and if he's comfortable enough, we'll switch. Um, you know, and then I can SSH in and do whatever I want to do. But uh, right now we'll stay on Windows. It it, it seems sufficient. Oh, he's got a he's got a funny one from Earl. He's- He's got two. He's got two funny ones. <laughs> if you like anime, what is your favorite who and why? I'm sorry to disappoint my biggest fan, but I do not like anime. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do you like better seeing his DMs or being DM'd about Steam? Uh, they're both awful. <laughs> <laughs> no. He can Something PM me anytime. Cool. Don't don't ask me about Steam. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got a good one from from Eric Gray. He asked, uh, "What you do back in the old days on OSI? What is your UO play history?" So I played on Atlantic from 1997 to 1999, and that was the last time I played UO. Um, I was in middle school, and uh, I played with my little brother, and it was it was real fun. I uh, I was in a little a little guild, and we had a little player run town called Rivendell, right outside of Britain. And um, I was awful at the game in every way. And I think I had like maybe my highest skill was maybe 90, you know. And uh, I ran around and I tried to kill orcs and stuff. And my my little brother had a miner whose name was uh, Big Boy, all lowercase. And um, he just mined. And that's all he knew how to do because he was in like fifth grade. And uh, yeah, that's my UO experience. So how how do we how do we get you an Outlands? I don't I don't get it. <laughs> so I started I did start playing UO again, you know, in like, oh, okay. <laughs> like on, the, on free shards in like gotcha, 20, right, right. 2012 or something, you know. Yeah, that's kind of, that's actually yeah, me. I, EverQuest. I I didn't play UO, I played EverQuest. And my ever I have, I only ever hit past level 20 on live EverQuest. Mm-hmm. See, that's why I stopped playing UO as I went and play EverQuest and I was pretty hardcore in that. Do we have any more in here, Ace? Uh, well, I'm looking. Valfair was asking what what his fondest memory of UO, but I think we just heard the long and the short of it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like a good um, PvP PK yeah. encounter from maybe your free shard days, or even from uh, early UO? Man. Your first so PK. I, yeah, my first PK was probably I don't know uh, Crossroads um, back in Atlantic. You know, when they used to have that hour or whatever while the server was rebooting, oh, where you server could be logged works. in and yeah, and it wouldn't it wouldn't save. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I just go around trying to trying to PvP people there, but um, I, I was so bad that uh, I think I killed a couple people sometimes, but they never counted because w- I would only go out during the server save. It, it, when I came back to play, you know, as an adult, um, you know, actually learning how to play the game and actually, you know, fighting people, um, I was never much of a never much of a PKer. I mean, sometimes opportunistically, if somebody's being real dumb, I'll drop them, but. Um, you know, mostly I was focused on on PVM. Uh, you know, I've got a couple of GM tamers on some of the earlier shards uh, before Outlands and stuff. Um, you know, and and I always enjoyed that. I I really enjoyed the the min max PVM stuff. Um, usually when a PK comes, I just leave uh, and I don't fight um, because it it messes up my my gold optimization to run around fighting them. 
<laughs> so uh, it's faster to die and run back. Um, at least it used to be. So yeah, I'm not much of a PvPer. Um, that's why I don't get involved in, in game mechanics at all because I don't know what I'm talking about. We we need like a dev arena tournament. Luthius, Owen, Jaden, <laughs> Expo. I don't even have hotkeys right now. Like I don't great, have. Great. We're gonna put you anything. on the pits and watch you go at it. <laughs> yeah, like I think I know how to auto attack. Owen doesn't have a wrist, so you got one up on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, uh, Jaden, uh, thanks so much for um, making the time to talk to us. Um, I think these are always really interesting because a lot of all the work you do, like it's just. Wouldn't, the shard wouldn't be where we are today without the work you do, but then it's not it's not some big fancy do um, like today. Just today, we, they dropped a whole new area of a dungeon with more tameables. Like, yeah, also in that patch was uh, 15,000 lines of code changed. Oh, wow. Yeah. What was, what was most, all of, it? most of it was just cleaning up stuff, performance tweaks, you know, optimizing various things all in lots of different patches. No one will oh, ever know. Right. In, in the patch notes, you had a lot of like AI tweaks and stuff to, yeah. to kind of help. Yeah. There's a ton of stuff, um, but no one will ever know. Yeah. I, I just, it's, you're kind of like the unsung hero and the savior of Outlands, really, I think. Um, because I, you know, really just back that lag fix, like it could have gone horribly, horribly wrong where that 2000 was 200 really quick because none of us wanted to lag out all the time, you know. So, you know, thanks for all the work you do, and uh, I will definitely have you back here. Um, hopefully, it's not two years, but uh, we, we will sing time. your praises forever here, Jaden. So oh, when we go classic, you only. Yes. Our, our yeah, guys. Okay, yeah, you guys can all take out. You can invite all the Steam people in to come yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll have lots of community questions that day. Probably. Lots, lots of swearing. Uh, you can you can find us on the Outlands forums. Also, if you just Google Anchor.fm inside Outlands, you, you'll find us too. We'll have a link there at our show notes and uh, our Discord link. Um, and uh, we will see you all next time. Good night. Thanks, everyone.